We're in a series. It's called Give Yourself a What? Chance. chance. Give Yourself a Chance. We are going to launch today into uh, Ruth chapter 2 in our study, and it's a, an effort to help you understand the power of, of being consistently doing things that advance your view and vision, consistently doing. And, and I, I just believe there's something about um, seeing the bigger picture when things go wrong. And chapter one, in chapter one of Ruth, you have the story of a woman who loses everything. Everything. It's awfully difficult to imagine what it's like to lose everything. She lost not only her husband, not only her, her home where she was living. She had to move because it's all gone now. It's all gone, and there's no chance that it will ever grow back. There's no chance. There's nothing. So now she meets with her, her mother-in-law, Naomi, and decides to leave with her. Says, I'm going to go with you. And that decision is the best decision she could have ever made. It changed everything. And sometimes it's that one decision to pick those friends. That's the decision. It's the decision to date this person. It's the decision to, to go out on that date. That's the decision. And there's something about that moment when you, you, you make that decision that can either be good or bad. And so she makes a great decision. So now in chapter 2, she shows us something that I think is profound and it explains to us why she would have a chance. There are two things that she models for us. Would you repeat them with me, please? Say listening, listening. And, working. and working. Two things. L learning how to listen, not just to your words, but knowing how to respond can change everything for you. Some people will never, ever have certain opportunities because they can't listen without correcting or giving their own opinion. Well, I disagree with that. That's not the point of this conversation. I mentor pastors, and one of the things I said to a pastor recently, he called me, and he's going to give me this long list of issues with his deacons and elders and church members and family, and I said, okay, tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go to your core team. He at least had a core team, which I thought was smart. I want you to ask them what they think about you, and I don't want you to respond. I want you to bring me back a list of what they think you're like. You cannot respond. I said, come on, Pastor, tell me. I cannot respond. It's good. So he went to them, and they gave him a blistering list. And he sent it to me, and he said, man, I can't believe they all feel this way. He says, I asked my parents, like he told me. I asked, and he asked people who were close to him. And it was so powerful because, and I loved his response. He says, I, I, I need to think about this. And he backed up for a bit, and there's something about that kind of listening that redefines for you things. It gives you another way. Do you talk too much? Are you, are you too bossy? Are you not always honest? What is it about you that could be causing you to not have a chance in the future? Could you be the reason why you don't have a future opportunity? So she was a model of listening, but secondly, she was a model of working. She had a work ethic that wouldn't quit. She was not lazy. 
by a long stretch. So let me begin with my favorite big questions. I have two for today, two questions. The first question I want you to think about is, who are you listening to? And do they have the tools to help you? Sometimes you listen to people, but they don't have the tools. I'm not putting anybody down who's gone through a hardship when I say this, so please don't misread me. If your marriage is bad, why are you talking to somebody whose marriage is equally as bad or worse? They have not been able to fix their own. So you got a rotten good, no good man, so she's got a rotten no good, so you just get together and talk about our rotten no good men. Find somebody with a good man who's got a good relationship. Find somebody who loves life, not somebody who's as miserable as you. There's something about surrounding yourself with people who have money if you have none. Don't get around them to get their money. Just watch what they do. Give me an amen if you're hearing me. There's something about finding people who have the tools to help you. Secondly, and this is what I call my side question. Have they been able to help themselves? If they have not been able to help themselves, they cannot help me. Then my second big question is, how hard are you working? Are you working without favor in your life? Now, you can work hard and really spend hours on a job where you can live with favor. I pray for favor on my life. I pray for God to not only give me the ability to work hard, but to work hard in a smart way and for his favor to be on what I do. I want his favor on every sermon. I want his favor on every series. I desire God's favor. Come on, say, I desire God's favor in my life. That's what you want, God's favor. Now, let me show you a couple of examples of her listening in this story, and I want to show you a couple of several examples of her working habits in this story. And, and if you're with me, there's going to be four things that you're going to notice about her first, four things that I think in the listening category that gave her a chance. She listened when it came to family sitting her down and saying, Here's what I think you should do. So I gave you four simple statements. First of all, she allowed wise family input. Important. Wise family input. Read that with me, please. Come on. Wise family input. Now, let's think about that. She allowed wise family input on where she, where she would live. She gave them the right to talk to her about her geographic choices. Secondly, she allowed wise family input on where she would work. So she allowed people to talk to her about her vocational choices. Thirdly, she allowed wise family input on who Ruth would marry. So she allows people into her marital choices. She receives marital advice. You can talk to me about who I, about who I've fallen in love with. I like that. Number four, she allowed wise family input on the timing for all her major decisions. So here we go. Four categories she allowed advice in. So come on, say geographic advice. Vocational advice, marital advice, and timing advice. I promise you that we are guilty of not being open to advice in these areas. When people start talking to us, we don't listen when it comes to geographic advice. I live where I want to live because I am grown, we say. But some people know you shouldn't, you shouldn't move in that kind of environment because it's not good for you. For whatever reason. It could be just a part of town, even. You could be looking at a house and they could say, that's not really great. Somebody that's wise in your life can say, you know you don't like to, to drive that far. Or the roads are too dark for you. You're not going to be happy there. 
you don't want to listen to vocational advice. There are jobs I wanted that I did not need to have. There were career choices that I had in my life that, I, that were bad choices for me because of my personality. Thirdly, some of us definitely don't let anybody talk to us about our marital advice. Our romantic life is private, and it's a wreck. It's a private wreck. We only, come out, we only want advice when things are bad. But sometimes if you really would open your heart, <clears throat> somebody wise in your life could say, that's a nice person, but that's not the person you need to be with because of A, B, and C. This person doesn't believe in work. Or this person doesn't, this person, this person, you are an introvert, and this person is, it really doesn't accept people like you up close once they get to know you. And I, and I really, it's, I think it's so important, and I'll talk about this more in the next sermon. She's allowing an older person to advise her. Naomi is older than her. What older person do you have in your life that talks to you? It's amazing that the older people are quiet nowadays. They don't want, they don't, there's nobody, nobody um, sometimes wants to hear what an experienced woman who's been married for 40 years has to say. Do you really believe that you can come in and know more than they know? You know one of the disadvantages, I thought about this yesterday, of being young? You have not seen it happen yet. You've never seen, you've never seen a generation die yet. When you get to the book of Genesis and, I'm sorry, the book of Exodus, you have the first generation of Israel. When you get to the book of Deuteronomy, you have the second generation. They have watched for 40 years their cousins, uncles, nephews, and everybody die. The advice that the second generation would give their children is totally different because they've lived through it. The longer you live, you know. By the time you're in your 40s and 50s, you've figured out a whole lot of stuff. Not only them, 30s too. 20s, I get it. You, 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 at different stages, you have different levels of experience. But I've discovered at 59, the older I get, I know more now. I can give you a list of people who made bad romantic choices. I can give you a list of people. And I can tell you what happened to them and their children and their grandchildren. I can tell you. And it's not something I think. I've watched it. So my choices are different because I can now see from experience this is what happens. I've gone to college and seen 80% of the students not succeed. I've seen that. I've watched people get out of school and not get, be able to get a job. I've watched this. I've watched people lose their homes. I've watched people die from diseases they caught in romantic moments. I've watched this happen, and there's something about seeing it. That's why soldiers are more careful when you've been to war. You're, you're a lot less willing to start talking about war right away. There's something that happens in the way when you see it, when you've seen Desert Storm 1, 2, 3, 4. By the time you get to 4, you go, hey, can we talk a minute? Can we pause this? When you've had one crime law passed and you're going to solve all crime by putting everybody in jail, you just do that a couple, three times, and you go, and after 30 years of trying this, maybe there's another way. Maybe someone that's older can advise us, but we don't listen to advice, and it is a tragic outcome, but not with this woman. And the last thing that's impressive to me is she listened. She was, she was time conscious. You know, timing is so important. Mm, timing. She, you know, you could be right. It could be the thing to do, but the timing's off, and she listens to timing advice about not some, all of her major decisions. Every major decision she listened, she said, 
what do you think Naomi? Who's the person in your life that you listen to like that? It could be a good thing for you, but it would be at the right time. So when it came to listening, she was a master, but when it came to work, she was amazing. Amazing. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 1, and let me describe for you how this woman worked, and I want you to watch how this gave her a chance that was amazing. Verse 1 of chapter 2, under number 1 in your notes, under number 2 in your notes. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. What was his name? Boaz. 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 Okay. You're, you're, this sermon and next sermon, you'll hear a lot about Boaz. He's going to be a part of our, our life for the next couple of weeks. So Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, and by the way, if you don't know who Ruth is, Ruth was the person, okay, Ruth, Ruth, Naomi, and a girl named Ophrah, all three were married, and they lived in the land of Moab. They were married and happy, and then over time, all the men died and the women were left. So Ruth moves with Naomi to back to Bethlehem, Judah, which is her hometown. Naomi's sad, grieved, they're all destroyed because they've lost everything, and now they're starting again. And so when you get to chapter 2, verse 1, it's interesting that Naomi now, with Ruth, is in her hometown. Verse 2, so Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. So she said to her, go, my daughter. So really and truly, she's, on her, she's come to a moment now where she sees her life circumstance have changed. And she now must work and take charge of her life circumstance. Her life circumstance now has changed. Her husband's dead. She's moved to a new city. The first thing she does is look for a job. Because she understands that my new circumstance requires me to work. I can't, I can't just do nothing. So she goes to Naomi and says, can, can, can I please um, find a place? She says, well, there's a guy, you know, in our family. His name is Boaz. And, but she doesn't know where Boaz is. She doesn't know how to find him. But he's, he has one of these fields. And so Ruth says, well, let me just go find work in, in a field. Just, I got, my circumstance says I have to work. Look at the preacher for a second question. What does your, your circumstance really say? Sometimes we're not honest about this. Things have changed. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Things have changed. You have to understand things have changed. You're a new city, new place. So if things have changed, the question is, what does your life circumstance say? Are you facing the truth about your life circumstance? If you could face the truth, what would it say to you? Ruth said, I got to go to work. We're a practical girl. So watch what she does. What's going to happen is her work habits is going to generate favor for her. That's one of the things that's going to happen, and I want you to ask yourself this question before we get to this part of our story. Does your work habit generate favor for you? Now, it should. The Bible said the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The soul of the diligent, the person who's really committed, eventually prospers. Well, watch what happens. She goes to work to a place, first of all, that has no favor. She goes to a place that's what I call the okay place. It's not the perfect job. It's not the perfect field. There's no Boaz there. There's no, it's just she, she finds a field because that's all she can find. She's new. She goes to where she can go. Verse 3, she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. She just saw reapers, and she said, okay, let me go after these people. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to who? Boaz. Who was of the family of Elimelech? Now, behold, Boaz 
came from Bethlehem and said to, to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. So she goes to a place without favor. It's not the perfect place. Now, I want you to think with me for a second. Hang with the preacher. She now is in an okay job like some of you. It's not the promised land. It's not the salary you want, but it's a job. Come on, say okay. okay. So that's what it's like. When you walk in your job tomorrow, just say okay. This is not the place, but it's okay. And you may not even want to say okay, but it's the place you got right now. There must be in you the ability to admit that there will be seasons when it's just going to be okay. And I love the fact that she takes this on, goes to the okay place, works through it for a while until she comes to the place. I got a lot to say about that in another teaching too because all this idea of the perfect place doesn't really exist. There are giants in every place. But watch under number three, you know. So if you follow me, number one, she worked and took charge of her life circumstances. That's the first thing I want you to notice about her. Number two, she worked where she could with, without favor. She worked where she could. Didn't have any favor. And I made it bold prints for you and I, I capitalized it for you. She worked without favor. There are seasons when you don't have favor. You're not going to get any special treatments. You're not going to get any discounts. It's no, no health coverage, nothing. It's without favor. Thirdly, she worked herself, though, into being noticed because of her work ethic. Watch what happens when you're consistent. Chapter 3, chapter uh, 2, rather, verse 5. Then Boaz, Boaz said to his servants, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Now, you can take that a lot of ways. You can read it this way. Boaz can say, who is that? Or he just could have noticed her work habits. However you noticed it, but he noticed her. Now, watch what happens. Listen to this response, verse 6 of chapter 2. So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Verse 7, and she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. sheaves. She came and she has continued. Read this with me, please, out loud. Come on. She has continued from morning until now, though she did what? Rested a little in the house. She's not lazy. Please let me say this. Look at the preacher and let me say this to you for a moment. Sister girl, I'm a father. And as a father of a daughter, I have made it a mission of mine to make sure that I don't raise a lazy girl. Hang with me. Because I understand that daddy won't always be around, and I understand the girl has to make it on her own. I've always been, she will tell you, I have always been, and you hear Diane say, I, you can do better. Come on, girl. Let's make ladies only amazing. Come on, no, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it this way. Thou shalt not back down now. Thou shalt rise up and fight. I have sayings. I've taught my girl, a girl needs cash. I have told her that all her life. I said, what is a girl? I got it from a book by Joan Perry. It's a book out of print now, I think, but Joan Perry wrote a book. I read it years ago, A Girl Needs Cash. I like that. So I'm going to tell my girl that all her life. I don't want you broke believing in Billy Bob. Billy Bob may have it and Billy Bob may not have it, but I want you to be okay whether Billy Bob is bobbing or not. <laughs> daddy talking right now, okay? This is a daddy talk. 
And I, I'm not, you know, I, you know I'm, I understand, you know, people have seasons. But I love this girl's attitude. She comes to work to work. But you got to be careful that you're not so cute you forgot. Your nails got you blinded and your hair got you confused. I want you to pause. This is daddy talking. You with me? Hang with me for a second. That's right. That's your day. I say, oh, yeah, you want him to be your daddy? What day? What day you want him to be your daddy? I was determined not to raise a young woman who didn't understand her life circumstances. Stop trying to find somebody to save you. Save yourself. Come on, save man. Are you hearing me? Stop trying to find somebody to save you. Where in the, where in the yellow, where in the worn ass do you see man, woman with needs? Where do you see that? Sorry, I'm still being daddy for a minute, okay? This is what I say to my daughter, okay? You don't find that. You need to pause for a minute. Stop crying because he won't do it. Do it your... Talk to me. Do it what? And I, okay, Pastor Rick, you don't give me a rebellious woman. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to create some competition. I'm not trying to make you arrogant. I'm not trying to... Because, see, women have been hurt so bad, they already got an attitude just from that. They got more bad men's stories than you want to hear. They do. They got, child, he ain't no good. Men are, see there, you know already, been the same school. Men are dogs. You have the same class. See? So you have enough. I don't have to help you have an attitude. You have that with each other. Women have worse attitudes with each other than they do with men. If they have an attitude, it's about men with other women. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Why y'all quiet on me? I'm preaching good today. I'm saying some good stuff right now. I'm up in your tree. I'm climbing up your tree, telling the truth. <clears throat> I like this woman because she's not lazy. <clears throat> why do you stay home all day and don't clean up? Tell me why things are a mess. Tell me why. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Explain to me why you're not taking care of yourself. Tell me why. Tell me why. Help me understand this. This is a young woman who understood I can't be this way. My life circumstances have changed. You don't have. Oh, boy, back up temple. Mm. Can I say what I want to say? Come on, can I say what I want to say? You don't have a Ricky Temple in your life. Yeah, I said it, and I mean it with all my heart. You don't have a backup person. Your daddy wasn't there for you. You better wise up and realize your life circumstance is different, and you need to deal with your life. You don't have that. And let me just say this to you. A lot of us didn't have a backup. I didn't have all the backup that some people, that my kids have. I understand that. And in the moment, I don't say that to be arrogant. And I, and I, but I worked hard to make sure whether she had it or not, she knew how to live with me or without me. Come on, say amen. That's the priority. One day I'm going to be gone. I told y'all that. I can't stay forever. I got things to do. Hallelujah. I'm going to stay as long as I can. I'm exercising. I was on the floor today trying to stay longer. I was stretching this morning. I'm trying to hang around as long as I can. But I'm telling you, if I live long enough, the day comes when she's got to fly on her own. If I live long enough, and some people just need to get up and wake up for a minute and say to yourself, what am I doing thinking this way? You're all mad with him because he ain't made your life right. Make your own life right. Don't put so much pressure on him. Don't try to make him your answer. He is not your answer. 
I love Diane. Listen to me. She's fine. She's foxy. She's cute. She's sexy. She's all that. But I can't just live off Diane's soup. I got to live my life. Come on, say amen. I can't walk around, Diane, Diane. I'm dying and living for Diane. That's not going to work. That's how, that's, how, that's how people end up in adultery. Y'all, y'all looking for something else. Always looking for something else to make you feel good. Feel good about you. Let's practice. Say, I, I need, need to feel good, feel good about, me. about me. Me. I'm about to get all off my message. I'm going to say one more thing. I'm going to get off, back off. Say one more thing. I travel a lot. My wife said this to me one time. She said, you know, you could be, just my wife said to me, she said, you could be a fool if you wanted to be because you could afford it, number one. She said, and you go everywhere, all, you're all over the world, everywhere. She said, you could be an international adulterer if you wanted to be. That's what she told me just the other day. She said, you could be. I'm thankful that you're not. But you can, you, she said, you're smart. You can hide stuff. You're talented. You're gifted. She told me that. And one of the things that I thought about, why don't you do that? You know why? It doesn't work. It's, it's the first door to stupid. <laughs> if I want to go through stupid, just open that door. That's it. It's all there. What are you doing? Pause. Back up. Think about it for a second. Can I say what I want to say? Amen. That's why I ain't in the video adultery either. <clears throat> Excuse me for sitting down. Video adultery. You're sitting there watching all this stuff all the time. <laughs> Check yourself. Think about this for a second. Think about where you're going, what you're doing, and what you're creating. Listen, there's something about this woman that moves me because she's focused. I don't need to be finding a man. I need to get a job. Oh, that was... I told y'all, get me off, get back on my sermon. I forgive you. Let's move on. She faced her life circumstance. She worked without favor. She learned to take the okay job. She, worked, she had a work ethic that would not quit. And then number four, she worked herself into opportunity. Say that with me, please. Come on. She worked herself into opportunity. And, and it was all hands on reputation. The opportunity came in her life because of her reputation. I want you to listen to this now. Verse 8 says in chapter 2, Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter. Will you not? Do not go glean in, any other, in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Mm. Wow. Go after them. Have, not, have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? Nobody's going to bother you. And when this is all favor, look, look at the favor. Look at the opportunity. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. You don't, have to, you don't have to even go get your own water. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said these words, what have I, why have I found favor in your eyes? Come on, say why. why? That's the question, why? Why have I found favor in your eyes? That, that, that you should take notice of me. Since I'm a foreigner, I'm not even a Jew, I'm a Moabitess. Why would you find favor? You want to hear the answer? It's amazing. Watch what he tells her. Boaz answered and said to her, 
It has been fully reported to me that you're fine, Foxy, and you look good, and that's why I'm doing this. It's because you're so cute and your nails are always together, and you just all, you look like a bling bling girl, and that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> Is that what he said? No, listen to what he said. I'm not against looking good and all that, but I want you to put that in perspective. Nothing wrong with looking good. There's nothing wrong with caring for yourself. That's good. But here's the point. That's not what impressed him. Boaz said to her, it's been fully reported to me. People are talking about you. Can you say this with me, please? People, People are talking about me. Here's the question. What are they saying? What are they saying? Look at what they're saying. People are talking about, about me. People, it's been reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you've left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to, to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord will repay your what? Work. came in this church, there was, there was 45 people, wonderful people. I read that and my heart got touched because he's, he's repaid my work. The Lord repays your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come to for refuge. Verse 14. Boaz said to her, bold print here at mealtime, come here, girl, eat, eat, eat of the bread and, and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and, and he, Boaz, passed parched grain to her. He had tried this girl. All this happened, and the Bible says she ate until she was satisfied, and she gets a little ghetto. She kept some back. She starts stuffing her pockets. She starts, <laughs> oh, man, this is really going well. I'm just telling you what. I'm going to take some of this home to Naomi. <laughs> Love it. I love it. The last thing that impressed us about her work is she, was, she worked herself into favor and not only that, but financial advantage. All that hinges upon reputation. She goes back home, I can just summarize this, and she basically says, well, first Boaz says to her, look at this to Bo Print, let her glean even among the sheaves, verse 15. And do not reproach her. She goes home, skip down to verse 19, and in bold print I put, where Naomi says, where have you been, girl? Where did you get all this stuff? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Boaz. Wow. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be the Lord, blessed be he of the Lord who has forsaken his kindness, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Now, I want, I want you to pause for a second. I want you to hear this. That, that's going to introduce us to the next sermon because that meant something. This was now a candidate for marriage. You see, there was a rule in the law that said if if, if you died, if your husband died, so one of the family members could, could marry you and continue his name. 
So Boaz was the guy that could potentially do that, and we're going gonna to love next week. Oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. It's all good. I almost want to do it now, but I can't. I ain't got time. Because in this sermon, I'm going to talk about romantic relationships. And I'm going to show you some principles. Before I get to that, though, let me give you seven closing things that I want to say from this sermon. Okay? Things that I hope you take home with you that I think would be very helpful. Number one, how well do you handle working in the for now feel, the okay feel? Sometimes the job is just for now. How well do you do that? Number two, do you have favor on your job? If not, why not? Is there a reason why the people don't favor you? Could it, it's not just because you're, you know, is it, is it the way you, you're presenting it? You know, you're just one big save person. <laughs> they, they, they got a save person. They didn't get a laborer. You didn't tell them this in the interview. You should have told them in the interview. When I come to work here, I'm going to get everybody saved, including you, and you're going to hell too. You should have told them that. You should have let them know that you're going to take off to go to church all the time. You should have told them. You should have said, hey, I'm not coming on you know, days when there's church. <laughs> See, but every job should be closed except the grocery store when you want to get food after church. Those people should work on Sundays, right? Oh, no, the gas station should close. Oh, but not the ones you go to because so, you want to get gas on Sundays. Oh, not the restaurants. Let's close all the restaurants on Sundays so that you can. Oh, no, not the ones you want to go because you want the church to eat afterward, right? But those people are working on Sundays. Oh, really? I'm sorry. I apologize. Maybe see how, see how we are? I'm not, I mean, I hope you get, get off, but I think churches have to flex streaming online Saturday service. We've got to find other ways to make it work. Okay. Think about what I'm saying. Too. Just for a moment, consider the possibility that you're not the best employee. that you are not what they bargained for. And you use your religious cover to hide your work ethic. You use it for cover. The real truth is they've got an issue with you and it's justified, possibly. What's your reputation at work? That's the question. Are you a standout at work? An example of what good work should be. That's number three, right? Then number four, what's your reputation at work? And then number five, have your work habits put you into a place of favor? and financial advantage. There is a reason why you get paid what you get paid. There's a reason. Now, sometimes it's unfair, sometimes it's unjust, but I want you to pause and think about this for a minute. Do, are you really worth more to them? There's a, there's a book I read. I love it. It's an HR book, and in this book, it talks about something called strategic value. And in this discussion about strategic value, there's a comment made that just really touched me. And they were talking about a particular company. They were specifically talking about Disney. And they gave this tremendous summary of why they pay what they pay and do what they do. It's something called strategic value. Say it with me, please. Come on. Strategic value. Which meant the only reason they're going to pay you more at Disney is that they have a strategic reason to do so. If there is no value in paying you more, if they can get the same, another person to do the same work for the same money, why would they pay you more? There's no strategic value. If paying you more brought more people to the parks, then they pay you more, but you're not worth that much. So what's the strategic value of your company paying you more? Tell me what you bring to the floor, what you bring to the, what you bring to the table. Now, you may have an argument. I hope you do, but I want you to think about that for a second. There's something about strategic value. And again, I'm not arguing that wages are fair. I'm not arguing that. I'm simply saying from your side, the work side, from, from, from Ruth's side, 
She was a strategically important person. She came to work and stood out. She was a person who gave more than they expected. And right away, she was a hard worker that impressed everybody. Some of you say, I used to be that way. Well, that could be a problem. Have your work habits, number five, put you into a place of favor and financial advantage. Number six, who, who, who have you allowed to have input in your personal life that you respect? This young girl shows all this great ability to listen. And lastly, is your job life a reflection of your personal life at home? Trouble at home, trouble on the job. Strife at home, strife on the job. I love the fact that she got in the middle of it all, stood out, and became an example for all of us. And next week, we're going to take another turn. I'm going to talk to you about giving yourself a chance by making the right relationship choices. At the, at the cornerstone of most people's life, this challenge is the lack of the right choices when it comes to relationships. It's who you love and how you love and what that, how that works. Now, you can read ahead of me in Chapter 3 of Ruth, see if you can figure it out. It's going to be a fun study, but I'm telling you right now. I read this stuff in chapter 3, and I got some revelations that really spoke to me in a way that really helped me a lot, and it helped me understand some things about my relationship choices and some things that I can improve on. So join me next week. Say amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the study today and all that we've learned. We leave this place today with our hearts open and our minds turned to see the value of listening and the value of hard work. We get it. And so today we ask you in Jesus' name. Guide us, anoint us, give us wisdom. Help us to open our hearts to advice, mature advice. There's something about having someone with the right to speak to us without edit, to with care and love be a voice in our life. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd help us with our work. Prosper your people. Lift your hands high, would you please? Come on. Prosper these hands. So they can be used, not only, Lord, to provide for themselves and their families, but to bless others. I pray your grace upon them today. And may we leave this place saying, thank God for these examples you gave in the Bible. People like us who are striving to live life, who go through the tragedy of loss, but bounce back to give themselves a chance. Father, may it never be said that we did things that stopped us from having a chance. May everyone say, Lord, I want to give myself a chance, a chance to experience your prosperity, your blessing. May it be not said that I hindered myself. May it be said that my heart was open to receive. And Father, I pray for those who are here and home today. May this be that moment in Jesus' name. Now, with every hand down, every head bowed for a moment, some of you would say, Pastor, after hearing the message, the one area of my life that's not right is my walk with God. When I leave this building, my tendency is to not walk with God. I may be a good person, mean well, but if you want to tell the truth, I am not committed to serving him. And, but today I want you to pray for me, Pastor, because I want to start a walk with Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed for your privacy, if you'd say, Pastor, pray for me because I want to, I want to make that decision to give my life to Jesus today. I want to start a walk with God today. Just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to call you up front. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Put it back down. There's one. There's two. Anybody else? There's three. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. You're raising your hand. Some of you are raising your heart. Father, I, I see you. I see you. Thank you. God bless you. Father, I pray for those who raise their hands, and I pray for those who raise their hearts. Some of them are just stirred and touched today, both here and at home. May this be the moment they say, Jesus, be the Lord of our life. I surrender my life to you. 
And may this be that moment that they change their life direction. And may you, Lord God, have a chance now to give them a chance to have the future that you want them to have. Thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for your grace. You died on the cross to free them. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Would you please um, uh, say with me one big time, say, Lord, I thank you.